Welcome to Stepping Out, a reality radio show where you'll hear real people sharing their true stories of what it was like to go over the edge and find their way back. And now, Stepping Out. Welcome back to Stepping Out, the 12-step radio show. Um, we just heard a riveting story from Reva. Uh, it's a little tongue twister there, riveting story from Reva, but it was. Um, and Reva got help through through an angel that was on a roof. But mm-hmm. your angel might be just calling AA, uh, going to your phone book and looking up Alcoholics Anonymous. And whoever answers the phone there will immediately get you the help that you need to start your road to recovery. Um, you're listening to Stepping Out. There's also a list on our website of lots of recovery places you can go to. It doesn't just have to be alcohol. It could be gambling. It could be drugs. It could be any addiction at all. There is help out there. So you can go to our website at www.powerfulradio.com, and there you'll find a list of useful information um, where you can begin your road to recovery, especially, um, you know, you don't have to do it alone. So there is help out there. Um, you're listening to Stepping Out, the 12-step meeting on the air. I'm Denise, and we're going to go to our next guest, and thank you for coming, and welcome to Stepping Out. Thank you. Uh, my name is Raymond. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And Hi, Raymond. I'm just like so grateful to be sober today, to be a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and listening to Reva is, is just uh, blown me away and reminded me of my gratitude that I'm not drunk today and I haven't needed to pick up a drink today. Um, and and then li- also listening to Reva and reminding me of who my angel was because I ended up in the psych ward in Bellevue. At that time, they could keep you, I, I think they still can, for 72 hours to do observation. And I was in the locked ward, and it was kind of creepy. And it was, but I, I realized if these people got a load of me and figured out who I was, they would keep me in the nut house for the rest of my life. And it frightened me. And I made my bed because I grew up Catholic. I went to Catholic camp, learned how to make hospital corners, and mm-hmm. learned how to bounce the quarter off the bed. And I made the bed in the hospital. And and the nurse was walking by, and I said, oh, look, look at my bed, look at my bed. And the lady, she was a Jamaican woman, and she said, you're not confused, darling. You just drink too much. And I, it was like, I realized at that point that alcohol was, was, was wrong with my life. How did it start for you? How did, how did you begin? I started when I was a kid. I grew up, well, alcohol affected my life from the beginning. Mm-hmm. My father was a drunk uh, and a self-proclaimed drunk. It's what we do in AA. It's our call. We diagnose it. And he got sober and died sober in AA. My mother wasn't so fortunate and died of alcoholism. And the booze killed her. I started to, when I was a kid, sneak drinks here and there. And then I, I remember sniffing glue when I was about 12, but not being feeling compelled to do it. And then when I was 14, I got drunk. I I grew up in Brooklyn. And when I was 14, I drank for the first time. And it wasn't to kill any pain or to do anything. It was just what normal kids do. I remember planning to drink on this Saturday night with my friends. And I got four cans of beer. And I drank three of them. And got drunk. And what in AA we call the invisible line of alcoholism. 
And I stepped over that line into alcoholism that night. I drank alcoholically that first night and continued to do that till I was 29 and just drank myself into such a state of insanity. Two major suicide attempts from alcohol. I did an overdose of sleeping pills and I um, tried to hang myself. And both times were thwarted, so that means I... At the time, I used it to berate myself that I thought I couldn't even kill myself right. But it was just not the plan for me. And I just drank from that day. And I didn't know it till I got sober that the in our text, Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about the, the compulsion to drink and the, the craving. Mm-hmm. They call it the phenomenon of craving. And once I started to drink, it... it, it didn't matter who I was or who my family was. Well, I do come from alcoholic insanity. I grew up in it. But that in me, that, that phenomenon of craving. And it was so great to read that, that I, it was like, and it, it took hold of me. And like it doesn't, people that are not alcoholic don't get that. Mm-hmm. They, and, but from that day that I drank, all I ever wanted to do was drink. And it, my friends went on to school and I couldn't I there were extenuating circumstances I, my home was violent I remember spending the winter when I was 16 on the street mm-hmm. and just and it was very cold and so now when I'm again my gratitude when I'm sober and I walk down the street and I know I have a home to go to in the winter and it's only because I'm sober do if you have I, siblings right do you have siblings? oh yeah we, my mother had 10 kids and and we're all affected by it. We're all pretty messed up by booze. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of, you know, it breaks my heart. But again, in AA, we talk about alcohol being the thief, that it, it just robs you mm-hmm. of everything. And I'm lucky that it didn't take my life. Yeah, but that's the next. Right. That would have been the next for me. And I felt my, I found myself headed for the street. I was going to end up in the street because I didn't know how to take care of myself. I become, I have a, I get dependent on people and I didn't know how to take care of myself. I didn't know how to do for myself. And so you never went to college, but you spent, I did go to college. I, I went to high school. I dropped out of high school. Then I went into the service and finished high school in the service and started college there. But then when I came out, of the service. I got thrown out of the service for drugs and booze. Mm-hmm. And it's been uh, it's very painful to try and um, forgive myself for that. Mm-hmm. And But I have over these years that I've been sober. I've come to that. But and then I went back to school and it just... Every time I would open a book, I would open a beer. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I have friends and I have friends in AA who gotten PhDs and things while they were drinking and I couldn't I didn't know how they could do it because mm-hmm. I would start drinking and then my mind would go right. to to other places that, so when you got out of the service you got kicked out so right. you were sh- obviously you didn't feel great and you went to work after that or you went I would try to find jobs but I didn't know how and then I did my first geographic I moved up to New Hampshire mm-hmm. and got a job in a shoe factory up there yeah, I was, you know, but you realize even 
though I didn't know that I could do anything about my life, mm-hmm. I knew I was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I, then I moved back to the city to go to school. But like I said, I just fell flat. Mm-hmm. And then I happened into a career. I just what kind of career? I'm an actor. Oh, okay. And I just kind of like I'm a gay man, and I picked up my career on the street, mm-hmm. basically. And it it and it turned out that I had talent and I had certain gifts for mm-hmm. things. But that was going to be taken away from me. Mm-hmm. That was. Did you start acting school? And did no, you? I no, I never went to school. I just got into this. You just started theater. theater. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. And I would, you know, I would get into plays, but I would get drunk mm-hmm. before the play because, you know, it's that the the mythology that the great actors all drink, and and it, it's true that some great actors have severe, severe drinking problems. But did you drink out of out of stage fright though, or just um, just life fright, just, just okay. af- afraid of my world? Uh-huh. And I, because I remember after I'd gotten sober and went on stage. It was a, like a whole nother world. Wow. It was a whole... To, I have a friend who was a professor at Yale who talked about if you drink and abuse, not drink, now normals can, normal people can drink, but if you're an alcoholic and, you, and you're drinking, you operate on like a tenth of your capacity. Mm-hmm. And so I often like now today when I sponsor people, just imagine what you could do in 11% mm-hmm. if the 10 was, you know, so. Unbelievable. What could that extra? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so I've gotten to, to taste that, you know, and then I just, but that was being taken away from me. And I remember getting, being told that I was unreliable. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, I would, one time I got so drunk on stage, I fell over. But fortunately, I got covered because there was a volcano <laughs> it, written into the script. <laughs> But I fell because I was potted. I was so drunk. And were these off-Broadway plays? Yeah. Or and then I would try to stop drinking. Mm-hmm. But I would always pick the wrong time mm-hmm. to stop. I mean, once I was in another play and I had to smoke a cigar. And I had to light the cigar and my hand was just trembling. Mm-hmm. And I heard a woman in the audience say, look at his hand is shaking. And I thought, oh, God. And I went back and I had a bottle of wine in my dressing room and I popped it and I drank it and I wasn't shaking. But, you know, it be, it's like a dog chasing its tail. Right. It creates the... It makes you think that it's not... That alcohol is not the problem. How do you know your lines? And you just do. You just, you just somehow you, you do. But I used to talk about I had two ways to act. If I was drunk... If I wasn't drunk enough and I was going to fall apart, I would just, like, lock my... kind of my elbows into my ribs mm-hmm. and it would kind of stabilize me. And then... Then there was times when I was just drunk. And were the other actors drunk? Were the directors? Was the director? Depend on who it was. Did who? they know though that what, like was it was it like oh god Ray has a drinking problem? No, or, they knew. Or did you hit oh, it? Oh, okay, they, so they knew. Their mind was not uh, to to see me was to know me. Okay, and so, so there knew. was not a. Um, you weren't hiding it. I never tried to. Once I tried to control my drinking for about a week, mm-hmm. and then it was impossible. I had to be drunk. I, I like one another lady in the big book said. That consciousness had become intolerable. Mm-hmm. I couldn't bear to be alive. I couldn't bear to be awake. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and I, again, that phenomenon of craving, I just needed to be drunk. Mm-hmm. I mean, Once you, so now what got you to the, the place that you are, that you were at 20 years ago where you, you know, how bad did your bottom get? Like, what made you say, well, I know you said earlier you had two suicide attempts. Mm-hmm. 
Is that what got you here? Or? Well, I bottomed out when I was 19 years old. And I used to have fish in a tank. And we had a, a placostomus, mm-hmm. which is a catfish. And it's a bottom feeder. And it's a uh, scavenger. And it eats off the bottom of the f- tank or it sucks the algae off the wall. And then every now and then it shoots up to the top, gets air, and then goes back down and lives on the bottom. And that's what I, that was my life, just mm-hmm. living, living on the bottom. Mm-hmm. So when I was 19, I, when I was in the service, one of the reasons I got thrown out was I had attempted suicide because mm-hmm. I, well, I knew that I was gay and I was blaming that. Mm-hmm. I was saying that that was my problem. Mm-hmm. And again, not knowing it was alcohol. Mm-hmm. And um, so, when you were in the service, you tried to commit suicide. Right, it was my first one, and I took twenty-six seconds wow. with a can of beer, mm-hmm. and wanted was going to die. But then who a friend of mine, a friend you? of mine, who I had been drinking with that night, mm-hmm. came to check on me because I had gotten into a fight. Some other guy was a jerk, and mm-hmm. we got into a fight. And instead of fighting him, I. I hurt myself, mm-hmm. and I went, and then after that, the the colonel ordered me not to drink, mm-hmm. And but you can't order an alcoholic not to drink. If you're alcoholic, you're going to drink, and I always say if ordering an alcoholic not to drink is like ordering Niagara Falls to go backwards, mm-hmm. and it just won't happen, and that's when I got asked to leave the service, mm-hmm. but that night, I, I remember waking up in the hospital in the south of Thailand. Wow in four-point restraints because I had gone into some kind of convulsions mm-hmm. from this. And then later on, when in 78, um, my father had died and a brother of mine had died. And my father was sober, but he, he died of cancer. And my brother died of mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. in D.C. And the way I reacted to that was to try and kill myself. Although I was drinking, you know, right. if I hadn't been drinking. And I did a show one morning, a puppet show in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and started drinking Tom Collins at lunchtime at 12 o'clock and didn't eat and then drank from 12 in the afternoon until 2 in the morning mm-hmm. and then tried to hang myself because I was just in mm-hmm. insane by this point and who found you then or I the the necktie broke Mm. and then one thing led to the other and I went to the hospital and have scars in my face almost lost my eye Mm. as a result of this and but that I didn't realize till I had gotten sober that my father and brother dying in the same year months of each other affected me but I had no by this point the world I was so oblivious to the world, just... and I couldn't, I couldn't put one and one together, and mm-hmm. ever come up with two, mm-hmm. and that's not, you know. Now, did you ever go to therapy? Like, did you ever? I wind did. Up in, or I did. Your depression, and I did go to therapy, and I actually owe the guy three hundred bucks. I should try and find him. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember he said that um, I tried. There, there was the time where I would try to stop drinking, and then I remember this shrink saying that. I had been sober three days, or I hadn't drunk for three days, and he said that if that's a long time mm-hmm. for a person who is alcoholic not to drink. And then, you know, I, I imagine that that's where it started to wind down or something, and then I ended up in Bellevue. And then it still took me a year mm-hmm. of 
trying to control the drinking. Like I said, I, I did you stay in therapy with him? Did no, he help? No, no. Okay, it so. was you know that we couldn't go anywhere. Although he didn't. Right. I've heard of therapists who say they won't see you if you're drinking. Mm-hmm. But he didn't. I, maybe he didn't understand the severity of it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then one day I got lucky and I got into AA. And it was because a friend of mine had told me that a friend of his was sober mm-hmm. in AA. And see, my father had gotten sober in AA and I kind of hated him at the time and I blamed him for everything. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to go to AA because it helped him. And I just, you know... It was in, the insanity of it. But then I did go, finally. It's, it happened for me. Did it and stick right away? Or no, you... it took me eight months. Uh-huh. I, I continued to smoke pot. Mm-hmm. I didn't drink, but I continued to smoke pot. And I, I knew it was wrong. Well, mm-hmm. not wrong. There was no right or wrong. It was not good for me. I knew it wasn't right for me. And then eventually, by going to meetings. See, what I did is I kept going to meetings, even if I left the meeting and went and got... right. Blitzed. Uh-huh. Then the next day, through the grace of God, I was able to go back. And then one day, a woman was speaking at a meeting, and she said something that I had heard a long time. She said that we're not bad people trying to get good, that we're sick people trying to get well. And for some reason, when she said that, the first step happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I would try not to use that day and I remember even thinking that it would be a struggle, but I would struggle like everyone else was struggling in AA not to pick up the drink a day at a time. Mm-hmm. And as time has gone on, it's not so much of a struggle. Right. Is it hard for mm-hmm. the people out there? Is it like, are you in a culture because you're an actor? Is there a lot more drinking than, let's say, another field, or is it the same? Oh, or? I think people drink. Okay. You know, people like it's drink. not like after a show you all go out. But what, again, back to the text of AA, it says if. After a point, you can't coexist with alcohol. Mm-hmm. You've got to look at it because that's a, a seer, that's a indicates a problem. Mm-hmm. We there's no way to get around. You can't escape right. booze. And today, I am pretty confident. I pretty go wherever I want to go. Mm-hmm. I, I do whatever I want to do. And you're not depressed anymore. Oh, uh, I'm depressed. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the world, you know, the world. You don't medicate it with, with alcohol and right, make it worse. Right. And I'm like, I wake up sometimes and I think, oh, God, here we go. And I like, I'm terrified I'm going to live to be 100. <laughs> and, I, and, you know, that's one of the gifts of Alcoholics Anonymous. You get to get old. Mm-hmm. And you get to feel like I didn't have arthritis when I started this game. Now, is your ten siblings? Are they all in AA or just a, some a, a handful and some of them? Are and or? Some are. And do you ever get together with them? And oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So they're still like you're still close to your family members, and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's yeah, good. So then, now, what's your life like today with acting? Is it hard to get on that stage without being blitzed? Or no, no, it's fun. Okay. It's a it's a fun life. It's a good life. I mean, it's full of stuff. And I think my nature is, I by nature, a frightened person. Mm-hmm. So I have to every day convince myself that I'm not and that I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And I, because it's not built into me that everything is good. And mm-hmm. I don't trust that. And like the other day, I remember I got up and I woke up and like the boogeyman got up with me mm-hmm. and they were waiting for me to wake up. <laughs> and I sat on my bed and I looked out the window and saw this most beautiful sunrise. That, like, and people say in New York there's no sky and 
I said, if you, you haven't lived in New York if you don't think there's a sky here. Mm-hmm. And I was watching this beautiful sunrise come up over these buildings. And then, you know, it's that, I didn't think, all right. It's going to be okay. 20 years ago, you weren't seeing sunrises. Now, you said, just for those people that are out there, you said you were raised Catholic and whatever. Was there a um, spiritual element to your sobriety? Or it's just... I'm not, I don't, I, the books, the literature all says we have to do that. So I don't want to argue with it. I think the spiritualness that I have experienced came with time. With time, okay. And today I, I believe I have a spiritual life. But in the beginning, it was, and I hung out with people that would say, just don't drink, just, no matter what. And, and, and that's how you did it. You yeah. put one foot in front of the other. And, and I was, and um, like I said, a spiritual life has evolved, but great. it wasn't there in the beginning. I mean, I did grow up believing in God, so I didn't mm-hmm. not believe in God. I didn't believe that God cared about me. Mm-hmm. Raymond, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, You're listening um, to Stepping Out, America's 12-step radio show. If you've connected with any of the people you hear or if you didn't connect, there's always someone you'll connect with at a meeting. There's always someone out there to help. Go to your phone book, call AA, call Alcoholics Anonymous, call information. Um, Everybody here uh, that you've heard has gotten help, and, and you can too. Thank you for joining us. I'm Denise M. We'll see you next time when we all go Stepping Out. 